0: Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of More Than a Title, episode six. I'm your host as usual, Jared Thomas. Thank you guys for showing up. Thank you guys for all the love as usual. And today we got a special, special, special guest, man. this, This brother, this is my actual brother, man. This is You know, my mentor, one of my closest friends. For those who aren't familiar with him, you know, he's a senior digital marketing executive with over 20 years of experience. Uh, He's managed teams remotely, um, specializes in marketing, content creation, overall social media strategy. Um, He's worked for global huge brands and is one of the most knowledgeable marketers that I know, man. So I'm honored to be a a mentee of his and I've learned and grown so much. So let's make a a warm welcome for my brother, Ken Gibbs, man. How are you, bro? Oh, good, B. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to see you make it to this place, man. With all of your progressions since we first met. Thank, thank you, bro. You know that means the world to me, man. And, and for and for those listening, I think it would be a good segue for us to just say how we met, man. I think that's really. I love the story, right? So, for everybody listening, um, it was two years ago. I think it was a social media week, right? So Ken was presenting with Lala Milan. So those who don't know her, she's a big influencer on Instagram and Ken is, is doing a ill, awesome interview. So I'm in the stands like, yo, who is this brother that is killing it? Like I, I just see, I just see, I saw myself in Ken and I saw myself in you, bro. So um, what immediately happened right afterwards, once we got off the stage, man, I just pulled Ken aside. It was like, Hey man, we'd love to, to be on your radar. We'd love to learn from you. And here we are today, man. Uh, it took a little while um, on LinkedIn and then, um, you hit me back one day. It's like, man, my executive assistant is gonna reach out with you on time for You're Friday. Tell me what works. <laughs> yep. And I was like, holy crap! You got an executive assistant and your brother. I'm like, what the yo? I was so excited, man. And I remember our first conversation, and we would talked about what we wanted and what I wanted for my career, and this is a place that I wanted to be. And I couldn't have gotten here without you, brother. Like your guidance means the world to me, and that's why I love you for free, brother. So thank you for everything, man.
1: No doubt. No doubt, man. I mean, thank you, quite honestly, for being engaged um, and giving me someone to pass pass all the wisdom and knowledge on to. Right. I think what's important is that we have people who are dedicated and committed and have shown us that because all I think people in my my position want to do
0: is make sure we're passing on the opportunity. That's it. That, that's what it's all about, brother. So if, if you want to, man, let's start at the top, man. I know everybody's is, is, is anxious to hear your story, brother. So, you know, how did you get into the industry, brother? Like, how did you start off your marketing journey and your career?
1: I mean, it was all luck right it was all luck. let's let's keep it real i specialize in yeah. social media right now which is really connectivity between people but i started making connections between people at the earliest stages of my life right uh when i was in boston boston is a town that you know is much like la not like new york new jersey where i am now where everything closes down after one o'clock in boston um uh, you see the black black media or black population, quite honestly, like everything ends at 11 o'clock and then it goes into after hours. Yep. right? And that after hours created an opportunity for me. Um, I started working with party promoters to get alongside them to basically sell alcohol at these after hours parties. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was early, early foray into networking. Um, I did that for a few years during my high school years. Why was I able to do that in my high school years? Uh <laughs> I started growing this beard when I was fourteen years old. At the goatee at fourteen, bro. Come on. Yeah. So uh, let's just say there was uh a, a, a long series of jokes about how I was way too <laughs> old to be in high school and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but I, I carry that on with me from high school to college, and right. in college, my first uh, transition was also stro- throwing spring break trips, right? Okay. Um, so I I think it was sun spree. It was a while ago at this point. But, uh, yes, I I reached out online and essentially found that. So I went on spring break one time that was thrown by the senior class when I was a freshman. Uh Because You know, when you go into college, spring break is all you want to do. And then the next year, that senior class decided not to, to throw a spring break trip. And I had enjoyed spring break so much the year prior that I could not be without it quite honestly. So I got online, I started searching and trying to figure it out. I discovered Sunspree. Next thing you know, uh, for the next two years, I had two buses coming from (laughs) from the northeast full of college students from, uh, you know, the New England area and Rutgers Mm -hmm. taking them down to Mm -hmm. Fort Lauderdale, Fort Spring Blake in in Florida. And so, you know, I continue to to network, do that. I was an orientation leader. I was an RA in college, Mm -hmm. Uh, everything that really kind of like leverages your connections. And I feel as though the Internet was just the next thing to that. Um, I went to school for English professional. I had two majors and a minor english professional writing communications technical writing but on the side i was studying html i was building websites a yeah. friend of mine his father was working for compact at that time mm-hmm. um, and as a result he was able to furnish us with you know cheap and and uh Frequent machines. Right. It's because at that time, uh, right now, a lot of the bandwidth exists in the browsers on the yeah. Web. Right. Like that's where a lot of the computing is done before. It was done more so on the hardware side. Um, yeah. so his, as his father was cycled through machines, he would just drop them off and share them with us. And I was going to Barnes and those, I was getting HTML books. I was learning how to build sites and like HTML, one, two, three, four, yeah. like all that. Um, and it was a side hustle for me. You know i started building websites um so building them from the mechanic aspect learning it from the hobbyist perspective and yeah. then working getting deeper and deeper into marketing and understanding how the marketing world was starting to intersect with what was yeah. happening on the web and finding out that it was essential i think at that early point a lot of it was like email marketing and yeah. what have you um, and not really getting down in, into what could happen on the web now personally on the web, I was recognizing this as the next phase. All right. was a young man. It's 1990, 1999,
0: like around then. Right. Um, was, it, was, it, was there something specific that made you say that? Or was it just the interaction that you was having, like, you know, correlating, those, doing the events and all that stuff that you like man, the Internet? This is where it's at. Like, was there one thing that you said, hey, this is where I got to go? Um, well,
1: um, I'm black. In case you want to be <laughs> right? <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, I will be honest. Um, you know, so part part of what happens, I think, when you're an undergrad, particularly, is you know, there's there's, there's all of these historical texts from Black authors that you encounter, you engage with. My my parents were big on that, so I I had read a lot of these before and had a lot of my mind state, but there were some in particular that I hadn't read. Um, And I was just like, wow, it's insane to me that so much is so similar today, right? And it made me really think about the opportunities for progress and what they were. And so when the internet... The internet seemed to be this thing that many people didn't really understand what was happening. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and as a black person, I viewed it as a way to skip the traditional journey uh, for just recognition in any traditional media, right? Um, yeah. Because I think when you talk about traditional media, if you're black, you're at the back. Period. Yeah. Right. And from my historical perspective and studying of all of these platforms, it was that okay, this is this is one of the few that's actually starting within my lifetime. Right. So through just attention alone, I could possibly have an opportunity to start at the same time as everyone else. So I studied. I studied and I leaned in. That's right. That's Um, right. And the I think what was really the deciding factor for me, because much of this was hypothesis. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm from Boston. Um, and I was, I'm from Boston. I'm from Mattapan. Right. Like, Mattapan is AKA Murderpan. Like, it's all of that. Yeah. Um, and so I knew I had a lot to fight against in order just to be recognized, despite being on the Dean's List and all this stuff. Like, yeah. it just, hey, there's a lot that colors you. So, yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and one time, so Sarah Ann Shaw, who's a legendary black reporter in the New England area, Boston in particular, uh, she came She came to be at my school. I made a connection with her and she was from the inner city. She was from and lives in Roxbury, right? It's one of our neighboring um, neighborhoods. Yeah. I, so I connected with her for internship and mentorship. And she took me to WBZ in Boston. And during that time, she was giving me a tour of the studio and what have you. And I will never forget. There was a there was a there was a time in which during that tour, it was just her, myself, and another black employee who worked at the network, and we were kind of like in a room together, right? And because it was just us, all, all black folk at that moment, there was a con- there was there was a moment in which we kind of had like this 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 time to talk about those difficulties. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, now you got to remember I'm still young and bright eyed, right? So I'm not I'm not as beleaguered in being down by those difficulties. Right. That's I'm right. still still young and optimistic. Ready right? to conquer the world. Yeah. And I just remember looking at that and thinking, like, well, Cyrus the greatest. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like like the greatest is encountering these difficulties right now. Right. And at that point I was like, yeah, I really gotta look into this dot com stuff because this racism stuff is real. Yeah. Right. Like someone who's yeah. like, has got a laundry list of accomplishments. You know? And mm-hmm. and it was really just strategic. I don't I mean, I am uh, I'm a young professional like anyone else who does not want their progression to be hampered by their race. Period. Yeah. Um, and when I saw the emergence of a new platform allowing me the opportunity to circumvent the traditional hurdles, it was one that I chose to get at the front of the line for, not even at the front of the line, but just at the starting line so I could yeah like,
0: that that's real, and you and you you just dropped a gem on that. artist. Oh, I wish I wish I wish Jordan would have pulled up that clip just now. I had that. So basically, you know, you, like you said, you said professional as a professional, you want your career to be hampered by race, man. So I'm curious, man, because you've been around the block, man. You have a crazy journey, like just to be in the game for as long as you've had with like 20 plus years, bro. Like that's in, that's incredible, right? So I'm sure you experience everything, right, from racism to you know being blocked to to you know. All those different things. So how have you been able to navigate that, bro? Like, how have you been able to get executive leadership buying on certain initiatives? How have you been able to navigate just us being black professionals in America and still being where you are?
1: Um, so a few different things. I say the first is to be conscious, conscious of who you are and conscious of the landscape before you. Right. And <laughs> conscious of how that landscape shifts.
0: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Um, depending on public position on certain events that are happening. Yeah. Right. Um, I think if you're a black professional over the last two years, uh the the murder of George Floyd may have opened up a lane and the sudden understanding and acceptance for a certain time. Yeah. Right. Suddenly you were human. Yep.
0: There's right. No cooler time to be us.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's unfortunate, but as a black person who's been working in the space for over twenty years, it was it was it was very easy to see the shift that had been caused by such a tragic event. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that first and foremost. Sure. Um, sure. Actually, the other thing, aside from being conscious, uh, what was the question again? Just so I make sure I'm free. Yeah.
0: Mature. No. Just um. Just how have you been able to navigate? you know, something like, like racism, for instance, in an industry that is mostly controlled by, you know, want people that are not Black.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, so, so being conscious of it all, conscious of your Blackness, conscious of how people are reacting to that and their perspectives on your culture, all right? Those, that's first <laughs> and foremost. But I think the next part is that, unfortunately, you know, this is work, and you can't necessarily be very emotional in work, right? <laughs> and now, let's not confuse not being emotional with with not being empathetic, right? Um, but the, you, you can't afford to have an emotional reaction to ignorance, right? Uh, because the reality is, um, hey, I live in a place that is much different from Murtipan, where I grew up at, right? Yeah. And I think what's most daunting to me is that when I look out the window and I see what is the reality for my kids and the other kids who live here, and possibly the reality that their parents have known and their parents, their were parents. Right, Um, we're all living in different worlds in many aspects of America, right? And I think, you know, I've got the luxury of noticing that now and preparing my children for that so I can inform them of my perspective along with the one that they live now, which is shared by uh, many people who they might uh, find themselves alongside in the office, right? But I think when you're in the office, it's really important to have an open mind as uh, to the diversity of backgrounds that everybody comes from with their perspectives right uh, because when you're in these shared environments in the office you are all making you you you're all working on this one larger product right? Yeah. That's, that's for this audience that serves so many right so the diversity that you encounter in the office should actually be Respected and valued, as opposed to viewed as the source of conflict, right? Um, so I've I always have looked at it in that way, right? Um, I always say like, hey, I know I know what I do, I know who I am, I think I've got um, a pretty good sense of the values of my community, right? But I value the diversity in offices because we're making content for public consumption. And I think those perspectives help me make this message that much more well-rounded, right? But I do think it's always something you'd be, you've, you've got to be cognizant of and find a way to leverage and, and deliver more value.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And then you also touched on since you said value, I know we talked about it in the back end, right? So, like to somebody like yourself, I'm sure, especially in your role and roles that you've been in in the past, you get a thousand cold emails, people trying to, you know, juggle for your time and, and get, you know, Facetime with you to sell a product to build relationships. What is the best way to communicate with you? How would somebody, for instance, like an SDR at Hootsuite, how would they get on your radar to possibly sell service or, or connect with you?
1: Um, you've got to propose value, but you've also got to show your understanding of of your problem. not only my personal level, but the level of the business that I serve and what that business recognizes as value. That's right? it. As well. Businesses are, are at different levels, right? Certain services are made for businesses of certain sizes. Certain businesses of certain sizes require a bit more. All right. These the these are all things that need to be kept in consideration.
0: Yeah. Yep. So no <clears throat> so basically guys, so for any SDR that's listening, right? So if you want to get to a level or reach out to the executive level like Ken, right, that is everything, right? Make sure you understand the business. Right. And it doesn't have to be so super deep. But how are we generating revenue and how does social media impact that? Right. Impact that long range plan. Right. So even if you just know from a high level, like say, for instance, say Spotify is looking for subscribers. Right. And you want to understand what the customer acquisition looks like and how can you generate more revenue and things like that. Right. That type of conversation, you might get a bite versus you just saying, hey, we have a new product here and this is what we're doing. And you don't know what my goals are. Right. That's never going to work. Never, ever going to work. Right.
1: Never, never on the one to one. Um, Because I also think, um, you know, people have problems. Identify that person and the problem that they have that you can help them solve. Right. Um, So I'm a global head. I've got a different perspective. Right. There may be an aspect of your tool that's more valuable to a counterpart in Japan. Right, so those are that are like, and that just really shows your nuance and research.
0: Yeah, and but it, people wouldn't even think that, right? Like you said, because if once you say no, it's game over. It's like ah, oh, he doesn't no, care. I mean,
1: no, you know, here's the thing. Uh, like they say, don't let the don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Like don't <laughs> don't let yourself trying to get the whole cake stop you from filling your belly off of crumbs, right? Like because it could be possible.
0: That's real, man. Has anybody curious, though, since we're on this topic, has anybody did some cold outreach to you recently that was like, oh, man, that was creative? (laughs) (laughs) I know you have to have one. you was like, all right, brother, I'm going to give you a shot, bro. You got 10 minutes.
1: Uh, Well, let's just, I mean, I get cold outreach on all types of things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, like, yeah, I've definitely had, I had one of recent, that I can't really mention, but they uh, the outreach was laden with a bunch of puns that were related to who they were. And I, I just had to respond to that. Like, like this was a good one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so So, yeah, anybody listening, creativity will get you a long way, too. If you don't know the business. Right. So let your personality shine through. And that's a lot of yes. stuff that I'm always talking about. Right. Being your authentic self. Right. Like for me. Like how me connected, which is me being my authentic self, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. man, I had no ulterior motives. It was like, yo, Ken, brother, I would love to be on a stage one day. I would love to, you know, understand and learn from you. And then we take it from there. And then from that, we just grew that relationship. But I've seen times where I think I told, I think it was, a, I think you know her too. So Kendra Thomas, she's a social media manager. I think you're connected with her on LinkedIn. Okay, okay. So, so she's connected with me. And I sent her a little note like, what up, cuzzo? with the barbecue you know what i mean like yo tell tell sharon don't do the damn potato salad and we go and that's how we started our conversation that led to a two-hour conversation offline just talking about life and just becoming mad cool right so there's ways to do this it doesn't have to be this you know buttoned up thing if that's not you if you don't know it you tap into Mm -hmm. your creativity right there's a lot of ways to to get what you need to get done accomplished i agree be cognizant of of your position
1: though Right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, what I will say is that despite being the global head, I still view myself, like Puffy says, as hungry as the day I just came in. Yeah. yeah. And I like to get down to that level when, like, working with people on my team and talking about creative and what have you. Right. I'm obviously not as close to the cultural moments as they will be. So, it's, it's more of an even exchange there. Right. Well, I'm, I'm looking to them for insight. Like, how hot is this really right now? Because right? it might not be as hot tomorrow. It might not be as hot as it was yesterday because of some things that happened in the Zay, guys. Like, culture yeah. moves fast. Yeah. right? Um, but I'm comfortable with having those conversations. I was also privileged enough to uh, be able to have those conversations as I was growing with Russell Simmons, Kevin all yeah. these guys. right? So I'm a little bit more comfortable with leadership and authority in the space. And as I have grown on, um, or, or moved on, rather, uh, in my career. I've encountered young people who haven't had that um, opportunity, and, and they regard me in a high regard. And I don't regard myself in that way, right? So I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, why, why are you telling me your ideas, <laughs> right? Um, you just have to be self-aware, right? You have to be self-aware about how, like, I know this is about, more than a title, right? But sometimes yep. that title um, is keeping people from being genuine and authentic with you. So sometimes you have to go out of your way um, to help them understand that they can be comfortable sharing their creative ideas with you.
0: Yeah, that that's so real, man. I, I know that's how I, I view you, bro. I'm not going to lie to you. The first time, I must have told everybody on my block we were meeting. <laughs> Like, my bro, man, I'm, I'm meeting the VP of vt man. You don't understand, bro. My mama knew, pops knew. Yeah. It was just like, and that's how I felt, man. And what it did for me was give me the confidence. If I can, you know, have a, a connection with, with you, brother, like, who can Because you know the real conversations we have offline, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, if me and you are having these type of conversations, I get it. So when I'm on the phone with somebody, you know who I talk to offline? <laughs> this ain't no. I'll run circles around. You know what I mean? But like that, that's kind of the vibe, man. And and I'm curious as you as you were you when you were a young professional in those rooms, right, with some of these big black, you know moguls, right? How do you act in those rooms, right? Like like how, if you're not from that, right? How do you? What was that like, man? And how was it? You know, you don't want to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Like, how do you. Um,
1: how I didn't say a thing. I mean, I'll just be honest. I never said anything. That's right. right? Like I was a young person, um, but it was also a long time ago. Right. Um, where the Internet just simply was not in the phase that it is right now. Yeah. Right. I was in. I was in, in 5 web. Not not even 1.0. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it was really different. Just really the whole different. wide web you was on. It was. Just <laughs> yeah. Getting on like just coming out of the AOL Wall Garden, and people f- understand like what to do. I'm like, oh my God, Chrome, what is this? Yeah. Like, Twitter, <laughs> YouTube. Like uh, for perspective, um, so when Twitter was doing the invite only. Um, invites, I distinctly remember sending it out to all of the journalists who I know, Mm -hmm. and some of them responding, like, what are you doing? Like, take my name off of this spam thing, Ken. Like, and I was like, wow, like, this is the future, guys. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, that's always been me, you know? Like, I was, like, winning contests, making movies and things with logo when I was in, like, the fourth grade and all this stuff, Mm -hmm. and so I had remained on the forefront, so, but I also often say that my family, for instance, never even understood what I did until the iPhone came out. I think yeah. the iPhone, the app structure really yeah. helped uh, just just create a platform that was easy for universal understanding. And I think, like, we're right at that period right now for Web3, like NFT, all this stuff. Like, yeah. my position, you're on there right now, you're just getting hustle. Right, you're getting awesome. Like the business is not there yet, right? Uh, but when the business does get there, it'll take off, right? Like there's a lot, a lot of value that's there right now.
0: So I would love to hear your so what? In, because me and Walt talked about this last week, and I definitely got we got to me, you, and Walt got to connect, bro. But what are your thoughts on Web 3.0 right now? Like what what excites you about it, and then what do you feel like the business needs to catch up to get to that point where it's where it's mass adopted? Uh, I'm
1: so I'm always excited about progressions in the web because they're generally freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, first phase of web created freedom within publishing, right? Just yeah. just do your history books and and look at all that like all the calamities that. Accompanied the introduction of the printing press, right? And how far we went to like make sure certain people didn't have it, this and that, right? Um, So Web three, same thing. I've often, I've often felt as though much of the early phases of the web would simply become like expected consumer behavior. Yeah. Right. Like like all of this will at one point simply be something you're expected to do on what might become public highways. Right. Because I think I think there's a larger argument to say, like, the the Internet is free. It's public. Right. And shouldn't artists be able to just simply traffic things on that? Like, I think I think like I know we're talking about Web 3, but I still think we're in Web 1. Right. Like, in all honesty, like Web3 is more so about what the people who got on Web1 are now doing online mm-hmm. and less about what a truly matured population does with it. And mm-hmm. I think, like, even when you see what's happening right now, what scares me about what's happening right now is that I'm seeing too many people rush to the hustle and the scam. Right, because mm. uh, like, much of what's happening with NFT blockchain and all that right now, just taking advantage of the ignorance of the map, ignorance of the masses, because you've got too many uninformed who are able to easily access it.
0: Yep, and you everybody's
1: know? trying to get a bag. Yeah, I mean, and, hey, that's human nature in a capitalist economy. Right? Sure. Like that—that's going to be a part of it. But I think that noise is taking away from the true discovery,
0: right?
1: Mm. Um, and that's and and. As somebody who's been doing this for over 20 years, right, that's the biggest difference between the two, right? Right. In the span of the time I've been online and working in this space, we have gone from, oh, I won't believe that because you read it online, to, oh, I don't believe that because you can't find it online. Yeah. such a drastic shift that people are so comfortable with. I think it's worth unpacking and investigating you know, like, it's just look at how easily your your perception of what is true was shifted.
0: That is so true, bro. That it's, It kind of goes, first of all, that's a great point, man. Like like you said, remember, I do remember the days where it was a blog and you'd be at, you know, randomwebsite.com. And it's like, all right, man, this is all right. I get it. Versus now, man, like, I, I can't believe that there's some brands that still don't even know the importance of SEO at this day.
1: Oh, indeed, indeed. But, you know... Um, there's a lot of noise on social. So uh, uh, a lot of brands don't believe the two are connected.
0: Th- that's insane in itself. How <laughs> could you? That's what, that, and that's what I'm gonna keep it real, and I will say it on air, bro. Like that's what I get with a lot of my customers, right? So one of the first things I ask, bro, is how are you quantifying social, right? And you know what they? Most of the time, people say to me, I just want to get more likes and followers, right? And I'm like, no kidding, right? Like, but what does that mean, right? So if I'm able to get you 20 followers, and you're not able to determine or even tell me out of these 20 people that liked, who came to the website? What was that journey like? They came to the website and bounced off, right? Do you have retargeting in play? Um, are they coming? Are they your subscribers to your email? What is the sentiment? Are you listening to the conversations and what mm-hmm. they're saying about your brand? All of these things, right? And then first and foremost, right? If I go to your brand, and I can't find you on 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 Google. I don't care what it is. Right. <laughs> like, you know, I'm going to go to that first couple of links. And that's the trusted voice. Right. And the fact that people don't see the connection in the two and how your brand awareness and your authority and all that plays into your credibility online. It's insane to me.
1: Yeah, but I'm not surprised. Right. All of this has happened very fast and everyone has just been ushered into it in an instance. Damn, yeah. right. So that's also something to consider. I would also think about like, and and here is here is kind of where the conundrum lies, right? Uh-huh. T- traditional advertisement has been like like it says in the definition, of broadcast, right? It's broadcast. Right? Yeah, bro. <laughs> so so broad, broadcast is one way, like message, message, message. We pay to send our message, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden dialogue is value, but we've never spoken. We don't have a perspective. A lot of brands are finding themselves in this position, right? Yeah. Can we create value or show personality that will thus create value or provide a perspective or share our perspective on key initiatives that then create trust with consumers, yada, yada, yada. Many brands haven't invested in this. Right, and so that's I think what makes this such a deep shift, uh, because there have been some brands that have for a long time uh, established and maintained a dialogue with the wider audience, their niche communities, what have you. Um, but now, it, it now brands too must have personality.
0: Oh, you have to, you have to, and we have to know where you lie on certain issues. Along exactly. with that, <laughs> exactly. Along with that. So, as a matter of fact, my question to you, bro you've worked with some some great brands right some awesome brands right would you do you think it's more challenging working with a brand that already has awareness um like some of the brands that you've worked with or is it easier or would you like prefer working with like a a, let's say a startup brand that doesn't have that awareness do you think there's what do you think is the bigger challenge
1: bigger brand okay bigger bigger brand i know Bigger Brand has an established perception and reputation that has been invested in um, internally in terms of budget, but also internally in terms of people who have put together the ideas that live within those campaigns and what have you. That doesn't say that it's right, but that's the hurdle right now. And hey, to be clear, that could have been right up until yesterday. Exactly. Right. Like exactly. that's how fast our world is changing, and that's how fast the expectation of the consumer changes. Uh, because yesterday it could have suddenly become wrong because your main competitor took such a drastic step that reset expectations within your category. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's where we are right now.
0: Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's and plus. For for me, like, on the outside looking in, because obviously I've I've never been a social media manager. I I just know my personal brand and what it does, whatever, whatever, right? So I would think it's easier because you have a blank canvas and you can really let your creativity do the work with a startup, right? But, like, if you go to a well-known brand, doesn't that limit creativity in a way? Or it really depends on what leadership thinks, right? Because that's where you really need to get the buy-in to invest in some of these initiatives. Or What's your take on that?
1: Well, I mean, so... These are two different questions, right? Uh, So to answer the latter, it's more so that, you know, the new brand has a clean slate. It's not fighting the it's it it doesn't have to overcome the hurdle of what it's already established. Exactly. Right. What you've already established could be fighting against you in your creative. So that's something that you've got to consider when you're looking at old brand versus new.
0: Have you had some of that? Like, where if you have right in your career, I'm pretty sure you have in your career, right? So when you go to a brand that's established, how do you get your new ideas, you know, bought in? Mm-hmm. How do you inspire I mean, around you?
1: Any successful brand will will have to deal with that, right? And like that's kind of the curse of success. Exactly. It's right. Like, like, if, it, <laughs> if it works, you, you will have to pivot at a certain point. Right. Because, like, if it works, it's going to take you down a certain road with momentum and what have you. That's great. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're not meant to travel on these roads forever. Right. And that's the difference. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, we, we aren't in the Sears or Toys R Us worlds anymore. Right. And those brands were what they were forever. And didn't move, but the moment the the world required more, those
0: brands ceased to exist. Yeah, so remember Sears and Toys R Oh my goodness, bro! Yeah, Insane. all, all of that, all of Insane. that. Insane. So, being that we're talking about this, bro, we'd love to hear from you, right? So, what are what are, what is one campaign? I, I think I know the answer, but I would love for the audience to know, right? What is one campaign or one creative work that you really hang your hat on that you're extremely proud of?
1: Hmm, love it. So this will have to be my closing thought, because actually, I got to jump. All right, Let cool, cool. See. Let me see. Uh, I'm gonna have, I got, I, I would say I got two. I would get two. Right. And they both from my BET family, right? Um, one was the, um, the mannequin challenge that we did, right? Uh, and why? Uh, taping, like most award shows today are live. Mm -hmm. For example, right? In the age of social media, it's very hard to maintain interest after the taping, after you have a red carpet and everyone knows who was there, what happened during the show. Why would you watch it a few days later? Right? In this one instance, we were challenged with this along the time when the mannequin challenge came into fruition. Like I was on the plane, headed to Vegas for the show when the the challenge was breaking, landed on the ground, immediately socialized it via email with all stakeholders, met in the production meeting the next day, mm-hmm. and on the tape day of the show, actually got the whole red carpet to do. It's actually on my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Check it out there, what happened. Um but that was great because A at like you Social, social is something that's often beholden for the brand, but handled by a unique few. So mm-hmm. it was one of the few instances in which the social team was able to involve everyone in a social stuff. Right. And yeah. um, that I think always both best for for just success, circulation, what have you. Uh, so from a team perspective. Not only was that strong, but also multi-platform, right? Um, yeah. What I mean by multi-platform is that we we trafficked that video online as long-lead promotion for the show because it was obviously tied to the promotion itself of the show. Uh, but I think after the fact, it was featured in the linear broadcasts. As part of that as well. So it really helped us bridge that wow. gap between um, the tape and air. The next thing was the um, basically we brought back Rap City in the booth on yeah. the red carpet of the Hip Hop Awards. Right. Wow. Rap City being such an iconic um, franchise for the BET brand. And us also wanting to acknowledge the rappers of note who uh, you know, had come after the 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 sunsetting of that show, right? So your yeah. DJ Khaled, your your Rick Ross. Not that they weren't around during that age, but they never got the opportunity to go into the booth. Exactly. So I think that might be on my LinkedIn profile too, but um it was really making magic to see both of those very established rappers kind of have a moment that they wanted to have when they were young children with the host of the show, right? right? Like it was it was truly iconic, truly special. And I think when you're in brand positions and you're able to do something like that that means so much to people, but also helps with the promotion of your show. yeah it's, it's 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 one of those special things.
0: Yeah, man, that, that's fire to hear. And I know you got to go, bro. I want to say shout out to Rob. That's my bro, man. Love you for free, bro. Shout out to my guy. And just All for right. you, man, before we go, Ken, man, just thank you for everything, brother. And I'll say it on air. You know, I tell you in person, brother, like, I love you for free, man. I love everything that you're doing. Thank you for taking a shot on a young brother from the Bronx, man. Thank you for man. making me see bigger than what I saw. And thank you for always having my back, brother. You've been a solid dude from day one and always, man. And I love you for free for it. And, you know, man, just want people to know that you, you solid, man. I love you, man. Hey, that means
1: so much to me, man. Again, like I always said, thank you for even coming up to me that day making the introduction. Your friendship, support, and partnership has been uh, so great and meant so much over the last few years and months. Like, you were the first person who I met outside of the pandemic.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm out of my bubble. (laughs) right. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I know it's real that's how you know <laughs> indeed, indeed. but in, in all honesty and seriousness man I'm so proud for what you're doing so happy you know, to see moves. what you continue to do at Hootsuite and you know this has all been part of our plan uh, and I look forward to to meeting in person again soon
0: you know brother love you for free man and thank you for everybody that joined in thanks for another episode of uh, episode 6 of More Than the Title and we see you guys next week man love bro